Hey, I'm Shiloh. And this is David. And this is... Who in the world are you talking about? Dave, how are you? Man, I'm doing good. I'm ready to get started with our live show. Well, I guess they're all kind of live. You know, they, they live are. is just a nice way of saying we don't practice. <laughs> you know, they are all live. And we were just talking about this. We spent an hour talking about how the family's doing and how everybody's doing, even how Austin is doing, you know. But we talked nothing about what this episode is about. So this is live in the moment. Dave, what's who in the world are you talking about? Okay. John Dillinger. <laughs> Babyface Nelson. That that was not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> who in the world are you talking about, Dave? I'm talking about John You're not talking about John Dillinger. Well, well th- that this is my introduction, child. <laughs> okay, what I'm okay, going to okay. do Okay. I'm going to I'm going to give you a list of names. Okay. And you got to figure out what they have in common. Okay, got it. I'm I'm ready. Okay, so okay. J- you ready? John yeah. John Dillinger. Okay. <laughs> that was pretty funny though. Uh John Dillinger, Babyface Nelson, Willie Sutton, Jesse James, Bonnie and Clyde, Butch Cassidy, Machine Gun Kelly, and Koba. Now you may not recognize all those names, but if you had to take an educated guess, what do they all have in common? I'm gonna go with criminals. They were all criminals, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. And more specifically, they were all bank robbers. Oh. And wouldn't you agree, people people kind of have like an interesting obsession with bank robbers. Yeah, bank robbers. Yeah, no, I would 100% agree, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, most people agree that stealing is wrong. Most people agree that killing is wrong. But if you put the two together and they're stealing from a bank... People kind of like bank robbers. Like every single person on that list has had a movie about them or they've been a character in a movie or a TV show. Sometimes they're the bad guy. Sometimes they're kind of the protagonist. But what I want to do today is talk about one of these people. And I'm going to give you my opinion. I think that this one bank robber is the deadliest bank robber in the world. Now, whenever you get into a... That is, that is, you got me hooked, Dave. Yeah, well, now, whenever you have, like, a superlative, like the best, the worst, the prettiest, the ugliest, the deadliest, you know, a lot of opinion comes into play here. So if if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, hey, I know a a bank robber that's way worse, just, you know, shoot me an email. I'd love to hear about it, and maybe it'll be a good idea for a future episode. So the one bank robber that I think is the deadliest bank robber in the world, if you take all the lives that he's ruined— all the people that he's killed, it's a greater number than the rest of the people on that list combined. Now, there's one other thing that makes him a little bit, well, very unique. Of all the people on the list, he's the only person that has received an invitation from and met with the President of the United States of America. Dave Who in the world are you talking about? You got me hooked. I want to know. So we're going to talk about, as you may have guessed, the name that maybe was the least recognizable on that list. A man by the name of Koba. Not Cobra. Koba. 
Now, in the first episode we did, I kind of changed the name of the person that we were talking about in an attempt to kind of trick you, Shiloh, and trick the audience. So, you know, you have a nice surprise at the end. But the nice thing about this episode is criminals love nicknames. And so most of the names in this story, I can just use the name that they went by because it's their nickname. And so Koba was this guy's nickname. And we're going to focus on one particular part of his life, a bank heist. Now, this bank heist takes place down in Georgia. And it reminds me of that old song. You know, Koba went down to Georgia. He was looking for a bank to steal. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's such a classic, you know? I, Man, I love where you're going with this because you're very misleading, Dave. Misleading you are, Dave. I am starting to put the <laughs> the pieces together. Georgia is not the Georgia that everyone thinks. Well, you know, we're going to get to that in a little bit, Shiloh. And, you know, when we talk about heists, people like heists, right? Like think of like in the last 20 years, all the different heist movies that have been made. Like I was thinking like a few years ago, we had like Ocean's 11 yeah. and they came out with like Ocean's 12 and there yeah. was Ocean's 13. Wow. And then I think like, didn't they make like another one? It was like Ocean's eight or nine or I, they, I mean, but there's lots of heist movies out yeah, there, right. but you know, sometimes we forget like in real life with bank robbers, they really have no regard for human life. And a lot of times people get hurt uh, people get killed. And so, you know, when I'm telling the story, I don't want to glorify it in any means. These people are the bad guys. These are the people that would steal and kill with absolutely no regard for other people. But we're going to talk about this bank heist. Now, the name of their gang was The Outfit. Now, that's a pretty cool, you know, name for i mean it could that sounds like a cool band name too i mean the outfit the outfit uh, no i i thought that was a band right from the 70s dave uh they they had a few hit songs it was something like uh well i mean their their biggest was the uh Koba went down to georgia but uh they did have that other <laughs> major hit called georgia um, on my mind yeah no but i'm not thinking of that one it was um it was uh something to do with ducks i remember uh, I can't remember, but go ahead, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't know where you're going with there, but now I'm curious. Okay. So it was a pretty cool name. And so like, if this was a movie, you know, a heist movie, you'd have the scene where they would have like the montage where, you know, Danny Ocean introduces the rest of the gang and he's like, Hey, here's Matt Damon over here. And he's what he, he does. And you know, here's these guys and here's what they do. So we'll, we'll go through the outfit. Now there was about 20 people in the outfit for this heist. We're not going to go through all of them, but we'll go through a few of the major players. The first guy was a bomb maker. He was an engineer by day. Uh, he was said to be the most respectable looking of the outfit. Um, you know, the rest kind of looked like hooligans, you know, but he was an engineer by day, but by night he made bombs for the outfit. Now, the next guy is a guy by the name, or the nickname of Camo. And he was a master of disguise. And Camo, the more I learned about him, he was just one really interesting character. Um, but he was known for two things. One was for being really good at disguising himself. Like any crowd, any person, he could blend into that crowd and look like any person. Uh, depending on the heist, he had dressed like a member of the army. He dressed like royalty. Um, he even pulled off looking like a peasant washerwoman. 
Um, and I thought it was interesting, too, when I was researching this, I found out on more than one occasion, Camo and also the main character, Koba, actually dressed like women in an attempt to get away from the crime that they had just perpetrated, which if if you look at pictures of them, like depending on the year, they either had a full beard or a mustache. So, so were they – they could like double as circus sideshows? You know, I – it's very I confusing. Wasn't too sure. Wow, you're throwing me you're throwing me a few um uh breadcrumbs in the wrong direction, but Well, I I feel like I, they either were really good at disguising themselves or maybe it just doesn't say very much about the women from Georgia. Wow. Poor poor Georgian women. Um so <laughs> you're telling me that this camo is kind of like the Brad Pitt guy. He's kind of like good looking can can kind of go in any direction as I, far as looks. I you know he he was kind of known for being very simple um and not that smart but also very deadly like think of like uh Forrest Gump if Forrest Gump also killed people wow you know we've done quite a few Forrest Gump um uh, I feel like if we don't have a Forrest Gump or a Star Wars reference, reference yeah, yeah I, I don't know if I told you this when we played the first episode for you. I started playing the second episode for my wife, and she's like, hey, this episode is good. And he also doesn't mention Chewbacca from Star Wars. And I was like, wait till the end. Yeah, oh, yeah right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, oh, Chewbacca but... just now made it in. So this is we're, – we're three for three. That's a turkey. So yes. <laughs> keep it rolling, Dave. Now, Camo uh, was also known for a very high tolerance for pain. Uh, so, for example, when he was trying to put together the bombs that the bomb baker had made, one of them went off in his face, and he recovered in bed. Then the day of the heist, he gets up, and they're off to the heist, and he you know, did it, even though he was still injured. We'll get a little bit more back to Camo later in the story. But now we're going to go on to our the leader of the outfit, Koba. Now, Koba had an abusive father who was an alcoholic cobbler. Now, just FYI, if you're trying to get more information on Koba's father and you Google alcoholic cobbler, um, you won't find any information about him, but you will find some very interesting recipes. So you're telling me that if I look up alcoholic cobbler, I will find some good recipes? Yeah, there was one called Boozy Peach Cobbler. Well, I mean, like down here in Texas, they put alcohol in everything. Like they put it, I mean, like barracho beans, drunk beans. It's basically pinto beans cooked in beer. But oh, wow. yes, yeah, no, yeah. I, uh, I, I ran that joke by our our comedian friend Aaron, and he said, "Now, Dave, you know, you shouldn't make fun of his father because if you had to work on people's stinky shoes, maybe you'd be an alcoholic too." No, that's got a good point, but <laughs> I uh, I think the drunken peach cobbler sounds like a recipe that uh, you know it's worth looking up. Yeah. So yeah. what happened next? Well, you know, so his father was an alcoholic. He was abusive. Um, his mother eventually left him, so he was raised by a single mother. Now, as he was growing up, he was known for a number of things. Uh, for one, he was an excellent singer. Um, he was in the choir. Even like later in life, he was known as being an excellent tenor singer. He was also a poet. Um, as a young man, he had several of his poems published. Um, he was also partially disabled. Um, he'd been in several accidents. Uh, one made him walk with a limp for the rest of his life. Another one uh, hurt his left arm so bad that his left arm was actually a little bit smaller than his right arm, and you know he couldn't quite do as much with it. 
Now, his mother was poor, and she wanted nothing more for him than to be a priest. So she sent him to a seminary. He was there for a number of years. But before graduating, uh, he was either kicked out or he quit on his own. But one thing that's for sure is that he left a devout atheist. And this is when he got into some activities that were against the law, a life of crime, and that's when he took on the criminal nickname Koba. Oh, I got it, Dave. You're talking about Rasputin. Rasputin. <laughs> Rasputin. Rasputin. Are, are you trying to say Rasputin? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's who I'm trying to say. Ras, Ras, no. Rasputin. Rasputin. Is that how you say it? Rasputin? It, it is how you say it, but no, no, Shiloh, you're wrong. But, you know, you can't guess because if you guessed right, you know, that would just, that would end the podcast. We play the music and that would be the end of the episode, you know? Play, so I'm, I'm really... Sorry. I'm sorry. Did you say play the music? Yeah. You know, like play the little ending music, you know? Do, but, do um, we have ending music yet, Dave? We we do for History by the Century. We got to work some up for this one. <laughs> but... um. So, you know, he gets into a life of crime, and he takes the name Koba, which it came from a book called Patricide, which if you remember your Latin means father killer. So that's kind of gives you a little bit of background about, you know, what he thought about himself. But um, as the as Koba, he was arrested at least eight times. But here's the thing. He usually got out. Uh, twice he incited a prison riot. Seven times he escaped. He escaped so quickly and so often that some people think he may have been like a government plant or a mole or at least playing both sides. So he may have been feeding information to the feds uh, in return for being released early. Um, but really, it was controversial today. It was controversial back then because some people thought that at the time. Um, but... Let's get into the heist. Now, the heist takes place down in Georgia, and there was about 20 people involved in this heist. You have men, you have women, you had teenage girls, and you even had at least one old woman. So, you know, with any type of like bank heist, there's different ways that you could you could go upon it. But with this one, they decided to do it while the money was in transit. Coba uh, had a couple guys on the inside, and they knew when a very large sum of money was going to be going from the post office to the bank. Now, I'm going to tell you the um, give you a, your first big clue of the time period that we're looking at here. The money was going to be transported on two horse-drawn carriages. It was going to be a stagecoach and a horse-drawn buggy. Now, now, right there, what time period or periods could that be? Or maybe what, what time period could it rule out? Well, I'm thinking if they're, they're using a, a horse and buggy, it's got to be before some kind of a mechanical transport. So we're talking before cars, before armored cars. So maybe uh, uh, late 1800s to early 1900s. Yeah, that's a pretty good guess, you know, and it, it could even be earlier or maybe even later if it's in a country that doesn't have automobiles yet. Now, you also, you had several people that had bombs hidden underneath their clothes. You had the teenage girls with parasols in one hand and revolvers under their dresses in the other hand. Now, Camo was on a horse with a wagon and he was dressed to the hilt 
pun intended, as a cavalry officer. Now, you might be wondering, where is Koba throughout all of this? And believe it or not, this is a hotly debated question among historians. Some people think that he threw the first bomb. Some people think that he was watching safely at a distance, maybe on a rooftop. Uh, some people even think that he may have been at the closest train station, kind of waiting to see if things were going to go sideways, and then he would just hop on a train and make his getaway. Uh, most people think that he didn't get his hands dirty, though, that he was just the one making the orders. So this is like the Joker of, uh, of you know this time period he's like he's orchestrating the whole thing but he's kind of off at a distant watching it all happen uh you know what it it could be could be that sounds, now it sounds like a very mischievous devious person here that we're talking about yeah yeah you know that is a good way to describe him so you know here's what happens next you know you have the carriages come into the the into a very busy uh town square and like I mentioned before, these people had no regard for human life, so they attacked these two carriages with these bombs and revolvers, and it made so much noise that people nearby thought an earthquake went off. And when the dust settled, 40 people, 4-0, were dead. Uh, most of them were innocent bystanders. You know, some of the people that were dead were ones that were guarding the money, uh, a couple bank employees, but for the most part... Uh, it was just innocent people that were in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's horrible. Uh, wow. How could uh? So now this these people just did this for the money, huh? Well, we're we're gonna get to that in a minute. Huh. Um, but so you had forty people injured or killed, fifty people injured. Uh, not to mention two teams of horses that were killed. Um, so the outfit, most of them just blended into the crowd, uh, to make their escape as they were fleeing. Um, Camo got the two bags or the multiple bags of money. He threw it into his horse-drawn carriage and started leaving the square. Now, on the way out, he ran into the deputy chief of police and a group of soldiers. So, But remember, he's dressed like an officer, so he just commands them. He's like, hey, don't worry. The money's safe. Get to the square. And so they listen to him. They get to the square, and he gets out of town. Um, and it was about a day before they figured out that three to four, well, in today's money, three to four million dollars were gone. Wow, that sounds like a something out of a movie, Dave. This guy tells them to go meet in the square. They totally listen to him, and they get away with the bad guys. Get away with three million dollars. Yeah, three to four. Now, Shiloh, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I'm going to ask you a math question. So, if you have twenty members of a gang. The just still three to four million dollars. How much money do you think each member got? You know, Dave, if if uh, any of our listeners have listened to History by the Century, they know that I have royally messed up some math figures. But I'm going to go with three million dollars divided by twenty is um. <clears throat> uh, I'm going to go with fifteen thousand dollars per person. I'm just shooting that off the top of my head. You know, that's that wouldn't be a bad guess. But I, I the, totally the answer, shot from the hip. I shot from the hip on that. It would tell me I'm wrong. You know, just like in Jeopardy, or not Jeopardy, was it the price is right? Like the guy who always guesses one dollar? Yeah, you know, I, I'm going with the one dollar. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's cool. The answer is zero. They made zero dollars. <laughs> 
Now, you might be wondering, if you just stole 3 to $4 million, none of your guys got caught, none of them got killed, everybody gets away, why is it that you make absolutely nothing? Well, I what guess, happens next? I feel really dumb because now that I'm thinking about that, now that I'm stopping to think about that, I'm totally wrong. But but you know, I was wrong. I was wrong either way. They got zero, right? <laughs> this is meters defeat all over again. <laughs> oh my god! Oh man! So Can we edit well, this part out. <laughs> we we definitely could, but we won't. We definitely could. Uh, so so what happens next explains why. So camo, and a female member of the outfit don new disguises. They dress like a royal newlywed couple. They hop on a boat. And they head to Finland. Now, why do you think that they would ha- would do that? Were, was it thieves stealing from thieves? Was it like the Italian job? Like, why would they do that? Oh, Dave, you've got me hooked. Why? Well, <laughs> why would they go well, to Finland? I mean, I don't know if the question, the more important question is why would they steal all the money or why would they go to Finland? Well, here's where it gets interesting. It might seem that they were stealing the money so they could like take all of it, but they gave all of the money to one man, a man who's the new character in the story, a guy by the name of Vladimir Ulyanov. So if Koba is Darth Vader in this story, Ulyanov would be the emperor. He's the guy who's in charge of the bad guy. He's the one behind the scenes who's giving the orders, the mastermind. So none of the outfit made a dollar. But what's interesting is that was according to the plan. All along, the plan was to give this money to Olyanov. You see, they weren't stealing for personal gain. You could say that they were non-profit bank robbers. It was all to fund a revolution. Now, you may not recognize the name Vladimir Olyanov, but I guarantee you, you've heard his pen name. Vladimir Lenin. No. You're telling me Lenin, as in the Russian Lenin, was behind this? Now, the outfit, the year, was 1907, and the heist took place in Tbilisi, Georgia. Now, we're not talking about the U.S. state Georgia. We're talking about, help me out, Shiloh. Georgia. Yeah, spasiba, comrade Shiloh. So, the whole purpose of this heist and all of the things that the outfit did was to fund the Bolsheviks. Now, I want to have a little disclaimer here in, in case there are any Bolsheviks listening to this and they're like, oh no, that's not how it happened at all. The Bolsheviks were totally against this. They had actually just had a convention and they voted on whether or not to use expropriation as a means of funding the revolution. Now, expropriation is a fancy word for stealing money and they voted against it. And uh, it kind of remind and Lenin was just like, yeah, okay, we'll still do it. I mean, it kind of reminds me of that Flight of the Concord song where he's like, I asked Dave, you know, about something, and he's like, but I'm gonna do it anyways. Like that was Lenin's whole thing. Hmm. So Lenin went ahead with this, and they stole the money anyways. Now this caused a lot of heat because everybody was just horrified. I mean, this was a real human tragedy. You know, you had 40 innocent people died. Three to four million dollars stolen. And so the people that had the money stolen, of course, were angry. It was in newspapers all over the world. They were angry. And the people they were stealing the money for, the Bolsheviks, were angry. So what happens next? What is the aftermath for the people we've talked about? Koba, 
Camo, and now this new character, Vladimir Lenin. Well, most of the money was worthless. Uh, it was in very large notes. It was 500 ruble notes. They had serial numbers on them. They were sequential. So basically, if you tried to take it into a bank, you would get caught. So Lennon came up with an idea. He's like, well, hey, before people figure out what happened, let's just give the money to like a bunch of different people, take it to a bunch of different banks all over Europe, and try to cash it on exactly the same day. So they did that, and the money was flagged. They all got arrested at the same time. So there was a little bit of money left um, that was in small bills, and Lennon gave it to Camo to go to Europe to buy guns and ammo. Rhyme wow, intended. So I, I was about to say, so Camo went to buy ammo. Yeah, that there's, was another one no, of the outfit songs from the 70s. That was, Yeah, that was a, the, another song from the 70s, the outfits, Camo buys ammo. Yeah, now, and I'd like to take... There's no, no, there's no, no go ahead. Correla- there's no correlation to his name and why we have the term camo today, is there? That that's an excellent question, Shiloh. And you know, I like how we're on the same page because I was just going to bring that up. You might be wondering, is that a tag name? Like, if you go back to like high school, you know, freshman, you know, English class, a tag name is like, you know, a name like Mercutio or Benvolio, like a name that's you know describes somebody. And it kind of seems like that, but it wasn't. Camo was a nickname that Vladimir Lenin had given to him. You see, Camo was also from Georgia, and so Russia was a new language to him. And because he was kind of a little simple, when he was trying to learn Russian, he was really having trouble with it. And there's one word, Kumo, that he kept trying to say, and he couldn't pronounce it correctly. He always said Camo. And so Lenin made fun of him and gave him the nickname Camo. Now, like that story... It that kind of made me like smile a little bit, you know, because you always think of like Vladimir Lenin as being this brooding revolutionary with like the frown on his face all the time. But at least one point in his life, you know, he mocked another grown man who was a killer and gave him a dumb nickname. You know, you almost wonder if there's like a bunch of communists, you know, making their plans in a room, like all frowning. And then at one point they're all just chanting camo, camo, you know, and he's really upset about it. That's that's kind of what I took from it, at least. You've just described a scene in my... You just opened my mind, Dave, to a whole new world of communists making fun of a fellow uh, comrade. <laughs> you know, and yeah, I, I think there's a nice takeaway from this. Like, you know, I don't think you got as many nicknames as other people may have, like, in your younger days. But, like, if you ever do find somebody giving you a stupid nickname... You know, you can just tell them this story and be like, hey, you know who else likes to give dumb nicknames? Vladimir Lenin. So you have really taken us on a journey here with Vladimir Lenin. You've got Camo, Camo, the uh, money-stealing ammo buyer. But you've got me really interested, Dave. Who is this, this Koba? Well, we're going to get to that, but you know how I like footnotes, and I like footnotes of footnotes. I got kind of like wrapped up in what happened to Lennon next, and then also what happened to Camo next, which what happens to Camo next I think is the most interesting part of the story, um, which I did not expect at all. Tell me. But so Lennon is like, hey, I'm in trouble. Everybody's mad at me. I got to get out of Finland. And so he tries to escape Finland by traveling over a frozen lake. And as he's going over, the ice starts to crack. And he barely makes it to the other side 
alive, and he supposedly said that falling through the ice would have been a stupid way to die, which I also think has to be Vladimir Lenin's most hilarious quotes. And Shiloh, if I ever die by falling through the ice, feel free to stand up at my funeral and say, hey, Vladimir Lenin once said falling through the ice is a very stupid way to die. But it reminded me of something. And we're about to play... What did what did it remind you of, Dave? Well, you're about to find out. Exactly, Shiloh. Exactly. Did I ever tell you my exactly theory? I don't know if I want to know the exactly theory. <laughs> if if anybody ever asks you a question you don't know how to answer or don't want to answer, all you have to say is exactly. <laughs> or I know, right? Like try it. Like ask ask me a question that I like any question. Okay, uh, Dave. Have you ever thought of what the uh, what the age of revolutions means for us today? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or you can just be like, I know, right? So, uh, but we're going to play everybody's favorite game, name that fav- uh, famous Russian. So, Shiloh, nine years after this, what famous Russian went through the ice in the Neva River? And I'm going to give you a clue. Even though he did fall through the ice... We're about 90% sure that he did not die from drowning or hypothermia. I'll give you a clue. Yeah, I was just saying, can I get a clue, please? Can I phone a friend? Can I get Um, anything? He was was a famous mystic from Siberia. Piercing blue eyes and crazy black hair. Friends with the Tsar and the Tsarina. Supposedly good faithful. I've already mentioned him. I've already mentioned him in the podcast. (laughs) Well, you mispronounced him, at least. um, It starts uh, with an R. Rasputin. You got it. Yeah, and uh, the reason I say that they're like 90% sure that that's not how he died is because he was assassinated by poisoning and, you know, revolver before There's he was thrown through the ice. There's multiple ways that Rasputin, or how do you say it again, Dave? It's it's just Rasputin. Like, oh. Yeah. You know, rah-rah, uh, Rasputin, uh, yeah, I I believe he, he had multiple ways that that he could have died from, po- like you said, poisoning to getting shot to drowning in some ice. Yeah, there's, there's yeah, a lot of that. Okay, so, so tell me how that, uh, where are we going from here? Well, I you have to wonder if like when that happened, Lenin was like sitting by a fire reading a newspaper somewhere and he just leans over to the guy next to him. He's like, hey, see, I told you falling through the ice is a stupid way to die. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because, I mean, let's put this in, in um, historical perspective here. Rasputin was um the like the mystic to the czar of russia yeah the czar and, and the czarina because he he supposedly could faith heal their son and that's kind of why he had a lot of sway over the czar and the czarina but yeah lenin was totally against the czar of russia so we're that's where we kind of see this this conflict right because lenin was saying hey the czar is leading us into war in world war one and lenin was saying hey we're gonna get out of world war one right um, you know, I'm not too too sure. It's a very complicated uh, period of history, and that was actually a few years after this, because the time period we're talking about is 1907, and then World War One started in uh, 1914. Rasputin died in 1917. Oh, wow. um, and then the Bolshevik Revolution, I believe, was in 1918. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, there's a really cool podcast, Revolutions Podcast by Mike Duncan, and he just had a uh, – I, I just want to give a little – uh, shout out because uh, his most recent episode was all about this bank heist and it was kind of the inspiration for this episode because I was like oh wow it'd be really fun to do an episode about that but wow. yeah so Lenin that's famously that's, that's really cool man uh, so 
I did not. That's a that's a neat uh, thing. I'm gonna check that out. Mike Duncan's okay. Revolutions by the. Uh, I did not know. Man, I gotta look at that. Now. That that also sounds like that could be a band name or like an album name. But um, <laughs> we're gonna go on to Camo now. Camo. This is just where it gets really strange. Now his real name was Simon Arshaki Terpetrosian. Um, don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And uh, we know he got his nickname from Lennon. Um, so he had the bills that were small and untraceable. He goes to Europe to buy guns and ammo, but he gets caught. Now, Shiloh, if you are a master of disguise and you get thrown into prison, what do you do to escape? What persona uh, do you take on? Dead guy. That would have been a good guess. You know, dead guy duty. Um, but no, he, he, uh, he, he pretended like he was crazy, you oh. know? That's and my, that was my second guess. Dead guy or crazy guy? Yeah, and like I don't know how long you could pretend like you're crazy. I think I could probably keep it up for like five minutes, and then like I would giggle or laugh, and everybody would know I was kidding. He kept it up for three years. Wow! And three yeah, years, crazy. Yeah, and remember he that didn't have really. Kids. Uh, he would have already been crazy, <laughs> but, um, you know, remember that really random text message I sent you like two weeks ago where I was like, can I say this on the podcast? Sure. Well, yeah, we tried to figure out just the right wording. I was like, can I say this? Like, maybe you should word it. But one of the things he did to make himself seem crazy is he ate his own excrement. Oh, and I remember that. And I remember thinking, I think if you word it right, then you can say it. But what? You, so tell me that again, Dave. Well, I don't want to say it again, but I mean, that's what he was doing. And but like he also he also caught a wild bird and tamed it and then he would talk to it which i don't know if that's crazy or just really cool like i couldn't do that but he he kept it up for three years the crazy act and eventually he was transferred to a sanitarium he never went to trial because it was basically the insanity plea and when he's in a, a sanitarium of course it's easier to escape than a prison so he escapes he goes back to a life of crime in the outfit he gets caught again he's given a death sentence and then his life is commuted by, you'll never guess this, the Tsar of Russia. And my, that, mind, my mind is totally blown now. I thought I knew a little bit about Russian history and Dave. Yeah, and, and just a this, disclaimer. This, is, like, this has been pretty exciting. The the first episode we did was about Russia. The third this episode's about Russia. We're not I'm just a bit on a bit of a Russian kick. The next one will not be about Russia, probably. But the reason probably. they did it is because like how long has the United States been a country? Oh, uh maybe maybe two hundred years. We're just cracking hundred fifty. Yeah, I think like maybe two hundred fifty, you know, seventeen seventy six to yeah. I mean we're getting close to there, but like um the Romanovs, which the Tsar was a Romanov we're having their 300th year anniversary of being in power. And which, you're talking about a, a dynasty, like a family line. Yeah, a dynasty. That's right. Years of family line. And, yeah. And so they took some criminals that had death sentences and they commuted them to life. He actually was given, instead of a death sentence, five life sentences. Um, but then, of course, the Romanovs themselves would be killed a few years later. You had the Bolshevik Revolution, yada, yada, yada. And then Camo is released from prison as a communist hero. Now, this is where it gets interesting. A few years go by. It's 1922. Camo gets hit by a car and dies. And so 
what if they that do. doesn't say consp- if that doesn't scream conspiracy, then I don't know what does. And maybe. a lot of people think that it was, but I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Exactly, Shiloh. Exactly. Um, the um, they they build a monument to Camo, and they bury him at the base of the monument. So here's a man who, on just one bank heist, took part in killing forty innocent people in the town square of Tbilisi. And they build a monument to him. Would you like to take a guess as to where they built the monument? Uh, well, he's a Russian hero. Um, I'm going to say they built the monument to him. Can I get two guesses? Can I have two guesses? Yeah, sure. Okay, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Moscow first. Okay, that's a good guess. What's, what's guess number two? Um, Tbilisi. Yeah, and you ding ding ding. You were correct. They they built a monument to him in the exact place where he killed forty innocent people in the town square of Tbilisi. You know what, Dave? This is I know I don't want to be one of those guys. I don't want to be that guy, Dave. Yeah, but I've spent two weeks in Tbilisi. You've been to Tbilisi? Yes, and I have. How do I not know this? <laughs> and I've been past the monuments there. Well, I I should say they have a different monument there now. Well, uh, the town square with the big old monorail and the statue of David the Conqueror, it's like, it's a lot of that stuff is is amazing to see, but uh, I don't remember anything about camo. Well, there's a reason for that. It was taken down a few years later, Mm -hmm. Uh, but there is a different monument up there now. Um, But so, I mean, but that's just weird. Like, this was 15 years after the fact that they put up this monument. So there would have been people still living there that had loved ones that were killed by this right. man. And then you're yeah. walking past his monument. I mean, think about this. Uh, 40 people died. Do you know how many people the Unabomber killed? It was it was three. Oh, like, wow. could you imagine if, like, the Unabomber killed a, a family member and then they put a statue of him in your front yard? Like, that's basically what happened. That's horrible, yeah. I mean, it was it was, it was was terrible, but then a few years later, the monument was removed. Okay. Now, would you like to take a guess on who removed the monument? And it's somebody that we've already talked about in this story. Well, you know, I mean, Koba seems like he could be suspect. Yeah, you got it. It was Koba. And he wasn't taking it down because it was wrong to have a monument to somebody who had killed a bunch of people. He was doing it because he was trying to erase his life as a bank robber. And some people think that that might have been the reason that Camo got killed by that car. They think it may have not been an accident. So now we're getting to the finale. We're going to find out who was Koba. Are you ready, Shiloh? Yeah. Now, Koba went by many nicknames, but when he was born in Georgia, um, his name, well, and not the United States, Georgia, it was... Georgia. Uh, thank you, comrade Shiloh. His name was Yosef Yugoshvili. Now, if you don't recognize the name Yosef Yugoshvili, you shouldn't feel too bad, um, because that's not the name that he went by most of his life. For example, he was a man of many nicknames. When he was a kid, he was called Soso by his family. Uh, Growing up, he had several nicknames, which I will not repeat, that were given to him because of his different disabilities. 
um, as an outlaw, he was Koba. But that's not the name that we know him as. Koba see, almost Koba almost sounds like like he was like it's like his Robin Hood name. Yeah, fun fact: Camo was also known as the Robin Hood of the Caucasus. Oh. He was called the it was he was actually called the Caucasian Robin Hood. W- wasn't Robin Hood already Caucasian? Well, not like white Caucasian, like from the Caucasus Mountains Caucasian. Oh, he was from the okay, gotcha. Yeah, so. As he grew or rose through the ranks in Soviet leadership, he wanted a new identity. He wanted to be known as a man of strength, a man of steel. So he changed his name again so that people would know him as the Man of Steel. Superman. (laughs) No, Shiloh, not Superman. Uh, This Man of Steel, this was the name that we know him by. It's also the name he was known by when he famously met with the Prime Minister of England, Winston Churchill, and President FDR in Yalta. Now, Shiloh, I've got Google Translate pulled up on my phone. Would you like to know how to say steel in Russian? I would love to know how to say steel in Russian. Okay, I'm going to hold the my phone up to the mic so you can hear. Okay. Stali. Koba, Yosef Yugoshvili, changed his name to Joe Steele, or, as we say it, Joseph Stalin. Now, Stalin once famously said that one man's death is a tragedy, but a million men's death is a statistic. While he did kill dozens of people as a bank robber, he did go on to kill millions of people in his role as the leader of the Soviet Union for a quarter of a century. Uh, Sometimes it was Russia's enemies. For example, in World War II on the Eastern Front, his armies killed seven out of eight Germans that were killed in World War II. Oftentimes, though, it was his own people through executions, uh, sending them to the gulag, or starving millions of people to death while selling their grain to foreign countries. He's usually viewed as one of the top three mass murderers of the 20th century, along with Hitler and Mao. And that's why I say that Koba, or Joseph Stalin, is the deadliest bank robber in the world. Dave you have just blown my mind. There's so much more to Koba than just a bank robber, and that's why, yes, he. I will agree with you. He is the most dangerous, deadly bank robber of all time. That was, that was very, very well put together, Dave. Very impressive. Thank you so much. I, you know, when you said the list of, um, of characters in the beginning... Koba stood out, and I said, you know, I think this Koba character, I, I, I recognize <laughs> him from somewhere. But I will say, the, the story about Camo was amazing. The research you did into Camo and his story, excellent, Dave. So, Yeah, he was one of those people I had never heard of him before I started looking into Stalin, and he just, he was quite the uh, the interesting character of history. There was a few times in his life where uh, I think like if it was a Hollywood movie, you know, they would have said the writers jumped the shark. 
Like oh. it was just kind of you, you ever heard that expression before? It's like a it's like in a movie where something happens it's completely un unbelievable and they're like, Oh, that doesn't make any sense. Right. But you know, it's what's amazing is the kind of the where everything converges all at once. Where you have Lenin, the Romanov family, Camo, Stalin, everything coming together. It's really an interesting story. You, you, it's it's kind of surprising that someone hasn't made some kind of uh, movie out of that. But it's it's very deep, very complex. Good job putting that together, Dave. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so excited. I'm so I feel like I've learned so much. Thank you, Dave. Oh, thank you, Shiloh. Hey, man, so I'm looking forward to the next episode. I can't find wait to find out what you're going to talk about. Well, Dave, you know, looking forward to the next episode. I think I'm going to go with the enemies of the Reformation. Ooh, I can't wait. You know, everyone's got an axe to grind. The question is, where and who did they sharpen that axe on? Oh, wow. Well, I guess we'll sign off. This is David. And this is Shiloh. And you're listening to... Do I get to say it, Dave? I think you do. (laughs) Who in the world...